Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 81 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for choosing to spend part of your day with us. You can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at JustinHughes365, and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And if you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365. We're always talking baseball in there. The best baseball group out there, in my opinion. Of course, I'm going to say that. I'm the one. It's it's our group. <laughs> but uh, you could support the show also by taking a moment and leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes and also writing a review. Doing that just helps get our name out there. Get our name out there. And if you do that, we would appreciate your support. And let me introduce Andrew. And Andrew, my question of the night for you is, first, did you play baseball as a kid? I guess it's a two-parter. And if so, what position did you play? Uh, as a young kid, yeah. I I don't know exactly when I stopped, but it was pretty early. I wasn't very good. Oh. And uh, I, was more of, I, I was more of a basketball guy when I was a kid. So. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would just play basketball more with like, you know, at school and guys in the neighborhood and stuff. I would just, we did that more than baseball, but I played little league and stuff. Not too much beyond that. I, like I said, I wasn't very good. Well, now that I really stop and listen to you say that and think about it, you grew up in the late 90s, mid to late nineties, um, early to mid late nineties there. And if I think about what would be going on up there near Chicago where you're growing up? Yeah. You got the Chicago Bulls winning championship after championship. Meanwhile, the Cubs are unfortunately not in their best time. So I could yeah. see why that would be possibly even help influencing you. But what position did you play when you were a kid? Outfield. You're an outfielder? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that goes back to what you were saying about I, they, you always throw that's the where they that's <laughs> where they put the guys that aren't good. <laughs> I um love playing the outfield in softball. I still play softball, and that's my position. Whenever I'm not, I mean, I pitch or play outfield, and but I never really did do it as a kid. I I was a catcher, and I loved being a catcher because I was a runt growing up, which is kind of funny because I'm six five now, and. Being behind the plate, you always got the ball, and it was easy for me because the ball was always going directly at my head because I was just so low to the ground. So all I had to do was just throw a glove up and it would ca- and catch it. So I don't know. I loved that. I remember playing third base one year and I hated it, but I was doing okay that year. But I hate the infield. That's the position I do not enjoy playing. I just don't have the instincts for that. Yeah, it makes you appreciate these guys that are diving all over the place and flipping it with their glove, and yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, I definitely appreciate those guys. I don't, I, I guess some people just have those instincts, and I got outfield instincts, and I can pitch and do that. But if, if trying to field these grounders that are coming, I, I don't, yeah, tough stuff. On tonight's episode, we're going to debut a new segment, and I am calling it 15 in 15. I have 15 questions that I'm going to ask Andrew, and we're going to try to keep the conversation for each question at around a minute each uh, for each of them. And if we reach the minute, a buzzer is going to go off wrapping us up. I'm going to try doing this with my phone up in the air right on the mic and see how this works. Hopefully it works well. If not, I might look for alternatives, but... It's a new debuting episode, 15 and 15, and we're going to start off with the National League tonight. I'm going to ask Andrew a question about each team in the National League. But before we get into that, I did want to cover a few different pieces of news from the last few days and start off with Garrett Crochet has been called up by the White Sox. Now, a lot of you may not know who Garrett Crochet is or why on earth we're bringing him up and to I'm actually going to we're going to do a little rewind here back to a July 21st podcast episode number 75 when Andrew and I were doing our preseason predictions listen here I am going to say that Garrett Crochet he was the first the White Sox first round pick pitches in the 2020 playoffs 
That's why we're bringing him up. Andrew, congratulations. What a call. Yeah, thanks. I I saw that alert today, and I was smiling from ear to ear. I was just pretty happy about it. I mean, like, it was one of those things that I, I didn't really – nobody had really said that to me. I just kind of connected the dots on my own, I guess you could say. I mean, it was just one of those things that made a lot of sense. And obviously – Things have panned out with the White Sox being good, which was part of all of that too. So yeah, it was fun to uh, fun to nail that one. Yeah, I I think we talked about it on that episode. Um, the uh, Finnegan in twenty fourteen, the last time this happened. Yeah, man, I believe I believe it was twenty fourteen, but it was definitely Finnegan. I can't remember the year. I think that's right. Man, pretty cool though. A kid getting drafted in June and making it to the bigs in September for a playoff push. He's he's pitching out of the pen, right? Yeah. I yeah. actually didn't see if he pitched tonight. I didn't check, but we'll check it out. But hope hope the kid does well. Be real cool for him though. Uh next up our boy Dylan Carlson's back up. He struggled to a one sixty two 215, 243 slash line through seventy nine plate appearances with the Cardinals before he was sent back to the minor leagues for 10 days. And he was called up tonight. I actually hit a three-run homer. I just saw it shortly before we started drafting here on Friday night. In most redraft leagues, he was likely dropped by now. And if that was the case, Andrew, would you grab him just to see if you could catch lightning in a bottle over the last week of the season or probably stand away? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's such a small sample that... Really, you just want guys that are going to play at the end of the year this last week. I mean, who's going to do good next week? Your guess is good as mine. But, yeah, I mean, if, if he's dropped and you want to pick him up, he did homer tonight. Never know. I mean, it could he could be good over the last week, but I feel like anybody could. So, And the thing is, the unfortunate part is you don't get to put, pick him up and then watch him play for a couple days, or I guess you got a couple days but not a week and then decide you're going to play him. You have to play him immediately, That which is what makes that harder to make that call, especially when he's probably going to be hitting at the bottom of the lineup if he's playing regularly. So, yeah, I'd have to be pretty desperate to play him, but it, hope hope the kid does well. You and I both have dynasty shares, and we're cheering for him. Definitely. How about them Yankees? <laughs> they absolutely demolished the Blue Jays this week and have won eight straight games going into Friday night after really scuffling for a few weeks with their low point getting them almost down to 500 and their playoff chances really being in question um, despite there being more teams making the playoffs going on right now here in 2020. But then they got hot. The Yankees broke a franchise record on Thursday night with five home runs in one inning, which also ties an MLB record. They also set a major league record by going three straight games with at least six home runs in each game, and they hit 19 home runs in those three games, which is another MLB record. And one more fun stat here. In their eight-game winning streak going into Friday night, they have more home runs with 27 of them than the total number of runs scored against them in those eight games, which is 19. Andrew, these are video game stats. Yeah, it's it's the Yankees. I mean, they were kind of due. I I was kind of I was laughing. I think it was yesterday when they're already on this massive tear, and I looked to see who's pitching against them, and it was Chase Anderson. <laughs> Just like, but yeah, I think it was Taiwan Walker, Tanner Roark, and Chase Anderson in that three game series with Toronto. So, just funny. But yeah, when they get on a roll, I mean, you see what happens. So, I um. No matter what seed they are in the playoffs, and I think it could be anywhere from four to about seven, um, I won't be surprised what they do. Like, I I mean, them beating anyone won't surprise me. Would you consider them the favorite, though, right now? That was going to be my next follow-up question, right? With, you know, Houston scuffling, the, you know, there's – the Twins and Indians and White Sox all are going to looking decent, uh, and then Oakland's playing really well along with Tampa. But would you consider the Yankees the favorite, despite the fact that right now, if the playoffs started, they'd be the five seed? 
Yeah, I I don't know about that, but I think that a lot of the teams are just kind of it's like they're for the taking. You know, mm-hmm. I think that any I think there's a lot of teams that could do it. So I wouldn't necessarily say they're the favorite, but if they were somebody's pick, I mean, I wouldn't dismiss that either. I think there's a handful of teams that could come out of the AL. Yeah, this year feels more open in the American League than it has in a while. I've always felt like it's the Yankees and Astros and Red Sox, and that was pretty much it for the last few years. And this this year feels different. The Astros are down. The Yankees are have been beaten up, and they're not going to be a high seed. Boston's out of it. And there are other teams that are up, but I think they're all beatable, though, to where I just I think this one feels open. It feels more open to me in the American League right now than the National League, where I, I think the Dodgers are still the clear top team, but there and there are a couple others, but I don't know. I, I just think it would. there are a lot of teams I wouldn't be shocked if they made the World Series coming out of the AL. Yeah, totally agree. By the way, um, Garrett Crochet tonight pitched a three-up, three-down, sixth inning with two Ks. Uh, awesome. And I'm looking at his looking at the pitches and it looks like he was hitting looks like he hit triple digits six times in about a, he threw 13 pitches looks like yeah so, that's a good arm to have coming yeah. out of the pen just like you said a few months back yeah that's definitely a nice uh boost for them yeah and you know they've their their bullpen's not the strongest around so that that could be a real good boost for them come october yeah so we have less than two weeks left. About a week and a half is we're recording here right now in the season, Andrew. And my last question is going into fantasy. Are you doing anything different operating your teams than you would normally be doing in the middle of a fantasy season over this last week and a half? I mean, really, you're just looking at categories, um, kind of where the categories are bunched up where you can gain points. And you have to kind of keep an eye on who's behind you if you're like out in front of a category, but it's close to make sure you don't lose those points, stuff like that. So I definitely look at that. I look at other teams fab, but I typically do that over the the entire second half of the season. I mean, if like I have 180 fab dollars and my competitor has 25, I'm bidding at least 26 on everybody you know, I mean, everybody that I care about or that I don't want them to get, et cetera. So stuff like that. I mean, I, I do that over like the whole second half of the year, like I said. But um, other than that, no, I mean, not not a ton different. You just play your best guys and hope things uh, shake out right. But, yeah, you just got to keep an eye on all the categories and stuff like that. Yeah, some it, you may make lineup changes that don't make much sense if it was the middle of the season. Like I got Jonathan VR in a dynasty league, one of my dynasty leagues where I have a huge lead in steals. I don't think I think I could go the rest of the year without stealing a base, and I'd still finish with the most steals. I'm pretty confident in that without looking. Actually, I've got a huge lead in steals, so VR does nothing for me. So I could bench him for a mediocre power bat. And that's the right move right now because it's actually kind of congested right now in home runs. So yeah, that's the kind yeah, of thing one, you got to look at. One uh, like some a few of the types that I think lose or have a lot less value this time of year or th- like this close to the end is a guy like like James Karinchek, for example, or like a middle reliever that's not getting saves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have one league where I have Karinchek, and I mean he's a no doubt about it every week starter, but. This time of year, more so obviously in a full season, but I mean in this, even like this late in the season, when you get to the end, it's like you're typically chasing wins, saves, strikeouts, you know, maybe ratios, but how much is, even if James Karinchek is himself, how much is he really helping you like in those categories, you know, in one week at the end of the season or two weeks at the end of the season, you know, when you can put a guy in cause he's not getting saves. So, um, I think some of those like middle relievers, the elite ones that help your ratios, they, 
their value kind of diminishes at the very end. So stuff like that. But the funny thing is we still have about 15 to 20 percent of the season left, <laughs> even know. though it's even though it's only 10 days. So, um, yeah, different kind of year, obviously, but that kind of goes without saying. It is a weird one. People are setting lineups this Sunday for the last time, and they're still, I mean, it's an eighth of the season. Yeah. It's it's a definitely a weird year, but that's a good point. All right, well, let's move on, and we're going to hop into this 15 and 15, and that means I need to get my little timer out because we're going to touch on each team, and I'm going to have my timer ready to go whenever each one of these starts. And just for grins, if you want to know, here's my little air horn. So y'all can hear it. Ready, Andrew? No, I'm ready. <laughs> yep. I went into the Apple iTunes store and I heard that. I'm like, that's our, that's my pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll start the timer after I finish each guy after I finish my question, basically. And we'll go over each of these guys for about a minute. And Andrew, you can say whatever you want. And if I got something to respond with, I will. If not, we might move on. All right. We're doing these teams in alphabetical order, working our way east over to the west. But So we're starting off with the Atlanta Braves, and we're talking about Adam Duvall, who he had some nice seasons with Cincinnati in 2016 and 2017, hitting 33 and 31 home runs in those years. But he collapsed in 2018 and hasn't been too relevant again until this month in September, where he's hit 276 with 10 home runs in 15 games. Obviously, he's playing out of his mind right now, but Andrew, do you think he will fin- his finish here will affect your interest in him in drafts next this offseason? I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, like with a guy like Duvall, if he's priced as like an OF5 or a bench bat, possibly. Um, any more than that, probably not. I mean, I think you still have to be realistic about it. He, for, through all that he's done this year or this month or whatever you want to call it, his expected batting average is still two thirty three, still tr- striking out a lot, not walking a lot. I mean, he's still kind of the same guy. He's just on one of those hot streaks, and that's going to happen from time to time with guys like this. But you see the valleys too, so it's um, I would say if it's cheap enough, maybe. But that's it. I wonder if he has much time, le- like if he's on a one-year deal or if he's still under cost-controlled con- cost right now. That's one thing I'd be curious to know with Atlanta. But if he is still with Atlanta, he's not going to – I mean, there's a lot of people vying for spots, so he may not even have a spot for him. There's our minute. Okay, we got this down. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the Miami Marlins. And the talk of the Marlins is Sixto Sanchez. And while I want to discuss him, I know we're going to touch on a lot of rookie performances in a few weeks. So today we're going to talk about John Birdie. Uh, you liked him, Andrew, as a cheap source of speed, and he's been pl- pretty good before going on the injured list. He had eight steals in 30 games. Do you see yourself being interested in him again this offseason? Yeah, I think so. I actually... Um curious to know what his uh, eligibility is going to be and I don't have it pulled up in front of me but yeah I liked what I saw I mean I don't think he's a very good hitter but um, versatile defensively plays kind of all over and um, cheap speed you know we all kind of need it so uh, I I would guess a lot of it depends on where they land ADP wise but I would guess I'd be in on him again Looks like he'll have second base and outfield, depending on eligibility rules. Yeah, just quickly thinking to myself about where I think he might end up is I'm thinking like the Tommy Edmund Garrett Hampson range from the last few off seasons, and I'm wondering if that's around where he is. And like you were saying, bad hitters don't make it well. Jonathan or can have value. Jonathan VR is definitely the proof for that. Yeah, I. Ah, I'm I'm pretty much with you there. <laughs> okay, moving on to the Mets. Uh, Michael Conforto is hitting 341 with nine home runs and three steals in 48 games this year. His ADP was 117 going into the season. Is he a top 50 player next year? No, I wouldn't draft him as a top 50 player. I think that this is you know if all the outcomes 
in a season of Michael Conforto. This is probably near the top of the range of outcomes for him. Uh, I do think he's a solid hitter. I think he's a solid player. I don't think anything really, really stands out in, you know, a normal season for him. So, no, if he's going in the top 50, I won't own him on any teams. Um, That said, I mean, I do think he's good. I just think that's a little too high for me. Yeah, this is one of those things you like to warn people of. You don't buy high coming off the big years when there's not much improvement to be made because – you get you're taking a lot of risk, and yeah, I think if he was to get himself into the top fifty or anywhere near it, you're buying high with the downside still significantly lower. So I agree, steer clear. Ah, fifty eight seconds. All right, moving on to the Phillies. Uh, Bryce Harper came out blazing to start the year, hitting well above three hundred in the first half, and I think he's hit three home runs to between or today and yesterday, right? Because he hit one tonight uh, yeah. and two yesterday. Yeah, I think or... two yesterday and one today, I believe, yeah. So he's got 11 home runs and eight steals in 45 games played, but the average has been dipping. It was at 252 when I wrote this up a day or two ago. So OBP is still incredibly strong, hovering right around 404. My question, does Bryce Harper ever have a season where he hits over 280 again? And unless he gets hot to finish this year, this will be the third straight season where he's below 260. Yeah, I think he has a year where he hits 280 plus again. I I always kind of feel like with batting average that there's like, you know, I, I tend to think of guys like in a range, like I expected to hit anywhere from here to here, you know, and because you're never going to nail it. It's just too hard to predict. So um, unless you're I Chris think, Davis, I yeah, right. <laughs> I think that. um if when he has one of those top outcome years, which should just randomly happen at some point that, yeah, it'll be over 280. Um, anytime there's a question where it's, will this ever happen? I mean, I'm going to pretty much tend to say yes. So I'm going to go with it. I love Bryce and I think he can do it. Yeah, I agree with you. And one thing I do want to note, he's been striking out near 25, 26% of the time the last few years. It's at 16% this year. So it's significantly down. So probably been a little bit of bad luck in there. Yeah. All right, moving on. We got the Washington Nationals, last team here in the National League East. There were a lot of fantasy players with high hopes for Victor Robles this year. After a successful rookie season where he hit 17 home runs and stole 28 bags in 2019. This year... He's hitting 229 with two home runs, and I think he stole his fourth base either today or yesterday in just a little over 40 games. And his market is now cold. Andrew, what do you think the chances are of him ever figuring it out and being a top 30 fantasy player in one year? Oh, man, I I hate to take a victory lap over a <laughs> six, seven-week sample, but um, I hate to – I mean, we – kind of told you this you know Mm -hmm. like both of us we kind of mentioned I mean he was just going too high I mean as far as him ever figuring it out I mean I think it's possible certainly I mean he's 23 he's still young but his stat cast data this year is terrible again you know so he just isn't that great of a hitter ever figuring it out yeah I mean yeah I think he can top 30 fantasy player I don't know I mean it's there's a long way to go for that. He's just got a lot of improving to do with the hit tool and the, you know, just his bat in general. But he's fast and he plays good defense, so there should be a spot for him. What do you think, like, chance-wise? Would you call it, like, a 10% chance he becomes a top 30 player in his career? Or would you go higher or in one that? In one individual season? One year in his career. Yeah, yeah, right around that, right around 10%, I would say. That's maybe not... a little, Maybe a little higher. Yeah. That's not high, though. That's what that says. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the NL Central and talk about your Cubbies. And we're going to start off with talking about Ian Happ. After he was scuffling in 2018 and 2019, he's had a really good run this year, hitting 277 with a 385 OBP and 12 home runs. And the strikeouts have been cut down in the last... I mean, he last year they cut down along with this year after being 30% or higher in each of his first two seasons. Are you buying into this being the new Ian Happ? 
Um, I hate to hedge, but I think it's probably somewhere in between what you expected or what he was coming into this year and what he's been this year. Um, I do think it's probably a little bit closer to this year than previous. Um, one thing I think it's like, I have no clue where he's going to go in drafts. Like I have no idea. I think it's just going to be one of those things where once I start seeing it, I'm going to just kind of make my decision if I'm in or I'm out. I have no idea where he's going to go. Like I can't even guess. So We'll see. Um, but yeah, I definitely think he's an improved young player that, you know, is, is good. I mean, it's just how much better if this is the real him. I don't, I don't really know if I think that my first reaction, I don't know where his ADP will be, but I'm thinking like top hundred, top 150, one of those hedge bets. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if that's where his ADP is or if it's higher or lower. All right. There goes another one. So we'll move on to the reds. Trevor Bauer versus Luis Castillo in 2021 drafts. Who would you have higher right now? This is funny because I was actually, uh, just this week, I was working on starting pitcher rankings for 2021 for the first time. And I had both of them in the 6 to 10 range. And I think I had Bauer like one slot ahead. But it's razor thin. I mean, I love Castillo, too. And um, I did it without doing a ton of research. I mean, obviously, I'll be digging on a lot of these guys in the offseason. So, I don't know. I think it's basically a coin flip. I think they're both awesome. You know, when I think about it, I think of Castillo as... I just feel like a little more secure with him because Bowers had the ups and downs. But it is razor thin. Because Bowers has been... Yeah. I mean, Bowers. Upside, I think, is a little higher. Maybe that's not even. Maybe that's not fair to say. We've seen Bowers' upside be a little higher, and but yeah, Castillo's really good. I think I'll take the safety net with Castillo there. Yeah, yeah, I, I go either way. Okay, Milwaukee Brewers. It's been a rough year for Yelich this year. His strikeout rate's been in the nineteen to twenty percent every year since his rookie year, going into this year. But this year it's at 32%, and his batting average is hovering down at 209. Now I will add he's been a little better these last few days. He's been seen, he's been hitting for power quite a bit actually the last day or two. How much will you let this affect your valuing of him in 2021 drafts? Um, I mean I think he has to drop some from what uh, what he was where he was this year, obviously um, I was kind of doing when I mentioned how I was doing the pitchers, I kind of did my overall. And I want to say, I think without like a ton of research, I would have him somewhere in the back half of the first round. I, I think that's where he lands. Um, I don't think it's really going to get higher than that because there's just too many guys at the top that haven't had these problems this year. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I had him at like 13 and then that gives you room for profit obviously, and still kind of factors in what has happened, what's happened this year. I mean, he homered tonight. I'm not overly concerned, but you're comparing him to superstars. So you have to ding him a little bit. Yes. And there's a minute, so I can't go. <laughs> um, I didn't have much to add there anyways. Uh, the pirates. There isn't much to talk about with this team, especially if we are looking for positives. Cabrian Hayes is at least starting off well in his first month of his career in the bigs, hitting 310 with two home runs and one steal in his first 42 at-bats. I think you and I both were not too high on him as a prospect. Has this performance in the early going changed your opinion much? Pittsburgh desperately needs something positive to talk about here. No, not too much. He's off to a good start, though, so I recognize that. But I'm not, like, overly excited about him. I mean, he's obviously found a role, but 42 at-bats is 42 at-bats, you know. You just got to give a little more time. And that's the thing with this year is there's just, everything is just such small samples that there's some things that you just can't uh, you can't believe in too much until you see a little bit more. I think this is one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um... If I recall right, I'm not looking at it right now. He's not shown the power speed upside that people believe he ha he has 
really hasn't shown that in any stop in the minors. And whenever you got that, those questions, along with just a terrible offense around him, I mean, he's in one of the worst organizations in baseball to where the counting stats won't be great. So what are you hanging your hat on right now with him? I, I, yeah, I need to see more before I'm buying in. Okay, now we got the Cardinals, last team of the NL Central, and Tommy Edmond is just doing okay this year. Hitting 262 with four home runs and two steals in 40 games. The steals definitely feel like a disappointment to me, especially when you see that he's been caught four times now. So he's two for six on the pass. How concerned are you about the lack of steals? Specifically about the lack of steals, I'm not. I'm not really concerned too much. Um, 95th percentile sprint speed still this year. And um, I want to say that might even be better than last year, but I don't have that in front of me. Either way, um, not too concerned. I think, you know, like I expected him in a full season to steal, I would say, upper teens, like 15 to 20. And if this season went on for 162 games, I still think he would steal that many bases. So, yeah, I, I'm not really concerned too much. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what to think of it, really. It's hard for me to give much. Uh, definitely, I expected more out of him. But, you know, looking at the underlying stance with the Ks, the walks, he's still putting the bat on the ball pretty good. Doesn't walk too much. But, yeah, two for six, not the best performance there. Okay, moving on. We're going on to the NL West, and we got Arizona. Is Madison Bumgarner done? He has an 8.53 ERA with 19 strikeouts in 31 innings this year. Boy, I tell you, hey, I don't, I don't really like to classify somebody as done, especially when they're 31 years old and they have the track record that Madison Baumgartner has or has had the career that he's had but he sure looks done this year now I won't say that he can't ever recoup some and I think he probably will at some point but oh my I mean it is really 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 bad really bad kind of reminds me of Justin Verlander about seven years ago and this is a positive I guess he could take it as because Verlander looked done in like, what was it, 2013-2014-ish? I don't think he ever looked this done. But yeah. he did. Yeah, he was bad, I it, remember. Yeah. It was ugly. And, yeah, he put it together. But, yeah, I'm with you. It does not look pretty right now. I wasn't high on him going into this year, getting away from San Francisco. It definitely has not shown well. Yeah. Okay, Colorado. Trevor's story is hitting 302 with 11 home runs and 14 steals in 47 games. Can he sneak into the top five of drafts next year? That's an elite yeah, kid to get in. Yeah, I think he can. I, I I was thinking about it. I think I would have him six among hitters. Um, Acuna, Tatis, not necessarily in this order. Acuna, Tatis, uh, Betts, Trout, Soto. That's I a tough probably, list to get in. I would probably take ahead of him, but... I think there will be drafts where he goes four or five. Yeah, I do. So, um, yeah, I think some drafts he'll be there, but ADP, I don't think he'll be there. Yeah, I think I, – I I wouldn't really blink if someone decided to take him over Soto. I don't know if I'd do it just because Soto is so dang good. But the steals that story's he provides – The story's pretty good too. Yeah, I know. I'd have to really think about that this offseason. But I agree. He's If he's not in there, he's at least right there on the cusp of it. Yeah, he's close. All right. We'll move on to the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers here. If Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, and Julio Urias go into 2021 looking like they have spots in the Dodgers rotation, how are you ranking those three? Going into the season, I would rank them May, Urias, Gonsolin, but I like Gonsolin, even as the third guy. I I could see myself, depending on what uh, what his draft day price is, I could see myself being in on him for sure. Um, and I could see them ending the season ranked really in any order. 
Mm-hmm. So it like it wouldn't shock me if Gonsolin was the best of those three next year. That said, going into the year, I would definitely rank him third. In a draft and hold, Andrew, I think if I was starting for the Dodgers next March, you'd at least take me in the 50th round just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No you, doubt. You love your Dodger pitchers, but yeah, these they just it's a farm over there. They just keep bringing guys up, and they all seem to do well, well, except for Ross Stripling and yeah, not talk yeah. any further about that. Yeah, that was a that was a bad one. That was yeah. the one bad one. I mean, it, everybody else has been good, really, but yeah, it was the one bad one. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's move on before we uh, we cry. Uh, San Francisco Giants, despite having a pretty good run in his rookie year, Mike Yastrzemski had an ADP outside the top three hundred this year. But it's different now. He's made a believer out of many, hitting two eighty seven with nine home runs in 49 games. Where do you think his ADP is around this offseason? And do you think you would be buying him around there? I think one of the hardest things to do is to, like, try to guess where someone's ADP is going to be. I mean, I – so it's it's a challenge. I think that he's probably going to go if I had to guess in like rounds 8 to 10, 7 to 10 somewhere in there, uh which would be like in a 15 team league, so like 105 to 150. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. So as far as if I would buy him there around there, maybe I I'd have to do some off season digging with all of that. But yeah, I think he's going to land. I would say just outside the top hundred, maybe maybe just inside it. He's had really good season. Yeah, I mean, at the end of this year, it's basically going to be pretty close to one full season of production out of the guy because he'll have sixty played sixty games this year, and I think he got about a half season in last year. And yeah, he's been very productive. It's going to be interesting to see where that ADP is. All right, last team, the San San Diego Padres. Fill in the blank. Fernando Tatis Jr. is my number blank player in Dynasty League rankings right now. Oh, man. I'm finishing with a bang here. Yeah, probably three for me. I would take Acuna one. Still, and um, I would probably take Soto too. So, yeah, I think he's third. I I think that if you say one or you say four, though, including Trout, mm-hmm. that there's no like it's fine. Anywhere from one to four is fine. So, yeah, personal preference. I mean, just take the guy you want. I think Acuna is the most likely to go forty forty, and I think Soto's the best bet. That's just my opinion. I mean, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Tatis did the 40-40 thing either. But, yeah, just kind of my feeling on it. I think a lot of people are going to have Tatis number one, and a lot of people would say that. And I wouldn't even really argue with it. But I still like Acuna. I, like I like the outfield out aspect to him, too. So yeah. what about you? We can go past a minute on this. This is good. <laughs> it's the last one, so now we're at – yeah, we can. Um yeah. I think I agree somewhere in the three to four range. Maybe I, I'd have to look. I don't think I'd have him five. No, I wouldn't have him five. So, yeah. He's probably three for me also. I definitely would have Acuna one still. And I, I'd be closer to putting Soto one than I would be Tatis just because of the bat and the long-term feeling about his bat. Yeah, like Soto, I, I think like year to year, like in a in a redraft league next year, I would take Tatis ahead of Soto. Yes. Because in a one-year sprint, you just want, like, the guy that gives you everything. You know, Tatis has a little bit more five-category juice. But um, for the long haul, there's just more volatility when it's just not quite as good of a bat. I mean, obviously, Tatis has a great bat, but Soto's is – Soto has the best bat to me, aside from maybe Trout. Yes. So, um yeah, that's why I would be extremely aggressive on on Soto. I, I, I honestly, those four guys right now to me, it's like special right now. Just just take the one you want. I mean, it's really, it, it's your team. It's like just take the guy you want. You know, they're all awesome. So 
Yeah, it's a special time between those kids, Trout being in there with them in terms of just the level of talent we're seeing on the field with these guys. And we don't we don't even bets too. Yeah, bets too. I mean, he's just yeah, it's it's awesome. I I have a feeling next year in redraft leagues, I am going to feel better about the top five than like I ever have. And I know the top five is always really good, obviously. But, man, these are some studs, man. <laughs> like, yeah. all of them, you know? And it's almost like might be a good year to even pick, like, five, six. I don't know. Yep. But, yeah, it's um, a, lot, a lot of studs there at the top. Yeah, I'd rather be at the end of that tier than the beginning. I wouldn't want to have to choose between them. But, yeah, great, great run here. So I do have a bonus San Diego question. Where is Mackenzie Gore? Dynasty ranks? No, no, no. Just where is he? Why have we not seen him this year? Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were tying it into like a dynasty <laughs> rankings. No, I wouldn't throw that one at you right yeah, now. Yeah, that's well, what I thought you meant. Um, I have no idea, actually. And it for a while there, I was like, well, they're getting by without him and yada, you know, like stuff like that. But we're getting down to the end here. I mean, it's it, we're close. I mean, it's a week and a half till the playoffs or whatever. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Do you th- do you feel like uh, even slightly concerned about him in terms of the fact that we haven't seen him? Do you think that does is it going through your head that what is something wrong and we're just not no. hearing about it? No, that's good. I I hope you're right. It it just feels weird that we're not seeing him right now. They're they're in it. They're I, what are they like second or third best record in the National League? I think I will say I will say this: if he's not up to where they can use him. I don't know the rules if they have to have him up at a certain point to use him in the playoffs. Do you know about that this I'm year? I'm not sure. But if he isn't available to be used in the playoffs, yes, then I'm going to be like, what are, What happened? That doesn't make any sense. And for that reason, then, why, why would you be using him right now? That's what I don't understand. I'm well, just confused. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're just on a little more cruise control than they've probably expected to be. Yes. So, correct. but granted, I, I'm trying. I'm kind of grabbing, grasping at straws here, you know, trying to figure it out too. But um, I mean, they're playing so good. So, yeah, I don't know. It is weird, but if they're not using him in the playoffs, then I am going to wonder, like, well, what are they doing? I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they do that? So. I guess we'll know in the next couple weeks. Yes. Hopefully we know something then. Hopefully we don't have to go all the way till next April before we're seeing him pitch. April, May. Because I want to see him in the playoffs. I want to see him going up against that meat of that Dodgers order in the playoffs. That's what I want. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll take a quick break, and then we're going to wrap up our show. So we'll be back in a few. Fifteen and fifteen, I I enjoyed that. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, that was fun. Got it. Kept us from rambling on too long. So <laughs> it definitely maybe we does. Should, maybe we should do that every show. Well, <laughs> Just well, call call the podcast fifteen and fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the fifteen and fifteen podcast. My name is Justin. Yeah. <laughs> what we should yeah. do is implement that in our um, when we start doing our positional rankings in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think we could do it i don't think we could but it'd be funny if we put a little timer even if it was two minutes maybe that's a good thing <laughs> but um i figured i'd wrap this up and just ask you how you're doing down the stretch we've got a week and a half left in the season how are your teams doing uh pretty pretty good overall um the two two dynasty leagues i have a chance i'm roto masters one i'm in first but there's a slew of guys kind of on my heels so you've been telling me about this what what's what's the point difference um right at this moment i'm up seven and a half points but second through fifth is kind of log jammed like they're all within five of each other so (laughs) it's not too far off i was up 13 like 
just a few days ago. So it kind of shows it can shift. I'm definitely not getting complacent there. That one's that one's fairly close, but um, in the lead there, Rotomasters two, which obviously you're familiar with, I'm in second and trying to chase down Jeremy. So about five points back there, and then um, one of my the other dynasties, I'm kind of like seventh, eighth out of twenty. They're both twenty teamers. Team's just not quite there, so I'm hoping next year make a couple moves in the off season and hopefully be right there. Um, just younger teams, those teams, and then the uh, I've got a draft champions NFBC league. I've been leading for about a month, but my team is just limping to the stretch, and I'm in second now. So I don't know. That one's set it trending the wrong direction. I've just had. Guys just getting hurt and not like playing well, and my outfield depth is just getting tested. And I have a feeling I'm going to finish second, but um, and then my TGFBI team's been hot. I think I'm in third there, second or third. I think I was in second at one point today, but the guy in first is is uh, he's way ahead. So that's the way second, my TGFBI league. Second been. through yeah, second through fourth is kind of jammed up, and then. Um, the guy at first, he's, I, I want to say the guy in first in my league is like top five in the overall. He's, Ooh. he's, yeah, he's doing really good. So, but yeah, that, that team's been pretty good. I've got another draft champions. That's kind of mid pack and my online championship team's been the total dumpster fire. So there's that. And, um, DH two, which is like the league's jewelry setup. My team's been pretty good, but I'm in like I want to say fourth or something. It it's close, but um, yeah, I'm I'm actually in fifth. I'm eight points out of first though, so that one's still kind of wide open. All all the teams there are kind of it's log jammed. I mean, a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's it's closer than you think because there's still a chunk of the season in comparison to what you know, the actual length of the season is. And then on top of that, just the, the standings just still are fluctuating yes, a lot more than, a lot more than they normally do at the end of the year. So um, I'm just trying to go hard the whole way, you know, there's only a week and a half left and not ever get complacent, feel like I'm out of it or feel like I'm got it locked up or any of that, you know, I'm just going hard the whole way and we'll see what happens. Did I tell you on air here or was I telling you privately about my decisions with leagues and what I'm doing next year in terms of the I just told me a, the fact told me a little bit a little bit privately yeah it wasn't on here Yeah I didn't I couldn't remember if I said that on here but I realized something this year that especially with a 3-year-old girl right now me getting fab bids in on Sundays for all these leagues is taxing it's hard for me to do three-year-olds need a lot of attention during the day. You can't just say, hey, go do this and there while I go make fab bids. It's kind of hard to do. So I realized that me being in a lot of leagues with fab is not good for me. I really am going to go more towards the draft and hold format this offseason. And I, I know you're planning on doing a lot of those leagues too because it's just it's it's easier. I enjoy doing the long draft and just trying to find the gems that way and Call it good and just have to set lineups on Sunday night, Monday, sometime Monday. Yeah. You still got the Dynasty Leagues. So. Yes. And then focus on Fab with the Dynasty Leagues. And um, yeah. the Dynasty Leagues, I'm doing all right. I'm second and third. I'm fighting. In Rotomasters 2, I'm in third place. I think I'm six behind you and 10 or 11 behind um, first place. And the other one, I'm, I've been mostly in second for the last couple weeks. Uh, made some trades at the deadline after talking about on the deadline podcast about being a little trep, you know, nervous about making big trades. I went and made two big trades at the deadline to go after it. So I guess I'm a hypocrite. But anyways, um, I've moved down to fourth a couple times in the last few days, and there's guys two and three points behind me. I'm still a good 15 points behind first place, I think, but maybe even more. But those guys right behind me both have innings limits that they're about to hit, so I I feel pretty secure. I mean, anything could happen in a week, but in a week, whenever we have this small of a sample, but I feel pretty good about that one in terms of sticking in second. Redraft leagues are mostly dumpster fires. These 
fabs on Sunday have not been good to me. My best one's the Rotomasters draft and hold that Chris Winder set up. I think we even did a podcast on that last winter. I'm in fourth. Oh, yeah. I'm in fourth place there. No chance of getting up. I mean, I'm 35 points behind first place. Me and Winder are in third. Who's and uh, who's who's first in that? Our good buddy Jared Renfro is has 125 and a half points, and Lou Landers has 121. And oh, nice. there so was a close. seven. Yeah, and there was a six point change just today. So Lou yeah. was Lou was winning going into today. Apparently, that's the thing. Is like I've had days in the last week or two in just various leagues where it's like somebody loses four and somebody gains five mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like a nine point swing. I mean, it's monstrous, you know, so it's really not over. I mean, I, I would urge anybody, I meant to say this when we were talking about like, um, when you mentioned like, do you do anything different this time of year? And it's just like, just don't give up. Like, just don't mm-hmm. feel like it's over because it honestly is not over. And if you, and if you, have other people in the league thinking it's over and you're not, I mean, you can gain ground just solely off of that. So I, I definitely. And the last of the conversation with Andrew and I cut off. So unfortunately it will not be making it to air. I need to figure out why this happens every once in a while, but sometimes when we finish recording and I stop it, it cuts off the last five, 10, 15 minutes. Andrew and I talking after we finished recording also was lost. If any of you guys are tech guys and, have a guess on that, You're feel free to shoot me a message and let me know if you have any thoughts. But anyway, Andrew and I were just talking about fantasy football and being my first year without playing fantasy football. I think Andrew was saying he's played since 2002 and just how it's kind of different this year. Anyway, thank you all for listening and take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.